John chapter 16, beginning verse 7. And these are the words of Jesus. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Lord, bless your word. Help us this morning as we begin uh, or continue to talk about the Holy Spirit and his work in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Several years ago, uh, Terry and I went to um, California and we, we went. Anybody ever been on a studio tour? Like a backstage studio that Becky has. We went on the Universal Back uh, Studio Tour, and that you know we went by all these famous studio effects, and 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 one of the places we went was um, uh, we went by this this lake. And anybody remember the show Gilligan's Island? You want to see an image of Gilligan's Island's lagoon? There it is. Those silly people were right in the middle of the town. And, uh, you know, it was filmed right here. And when you went by, you know, I was kind of amazed because, you know, all those scenes that, you know, it's kind of desolate looking. It looks like they're all by themselves. But, but really, it was right there in the middle of a city. All they had to do, you know, I thought they were really stranded, Joe Case, but apparently they weren't. And so we went by, and you can go off that screen. We went by all sorts of different um, sets. We went by uh, Hitchcock's Psycho House. You guys are familiar with the movie? And, 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 and the house was like two-thirds or three-fourths the size of a real house. It wasn't even the real size of a house. As a matter of fact, when they filmed the movie, it only had three walls because they only filmed from an angle so that you could see uh, two of the walls. And, and, and so, it, you know, it, it was kind of weird as you begin to see these these sets and to see what they really look like. Several years later, we were driving, or we were in Hawaii with my in-laws, and, and we were on this tour of the island, and we, we went by this, this valley, and they said, that the tour guide goes, oh, this is where they filmed that, that show Lost. And, of course, Lost is where these people are lost on this deserted island. And, and once again, it was just this valley right by a highway. And, you know, it was kind of weird when you stop to think of how the scenery in the movie made them feel so des- desolate and alone, and, and yet it was right here by a busy road. See, that's, that's what movie makers do. They, they, movie sets create a false image. They, they limit what you can see. They, they limit perspective. They, they do not allow context. And in doing that, they create this false image. It's possible, even in our lives, to limit what other people see, right? It's, it's possible to have a movie set Life, where, where you're limiting context, where you're limiting the amount of sight, what people can see, and you can create an image that's different than what is reality. Now, now some of this is natural. I, how many of you clean your house before guests come over? Raise your hand, right? 
How many of you clean your house before a repair person comes over? Or clean? You know, a few of you. You know, some of that's natural. We, how many of you put your bank accounts and how much in your bank accounts on the Internet? Yeah, none of you, right? You know, there, there is a level of privacy that we all should have and we want and we desire. And it's natural and it's right. We don't need to see every work that you have. And everybody said, amen. This is not a clothing optional place, okay? We have some privacy here. How many of you post everything that happens in your life on Facebook? Stop, okay? We don't want to hear everything that happens in your life on Facebook. There should be a certain level of privacy and a certain level of privacy in our life, even in our spiritual walk. We don't have to confess every sin to every person. is natural and right, but this certain level of privacy can morph into something more extreme. We can begin to live a complete lie. We can begin to wear a mask. We can become very false in our life if we're not careful. You know, the house can look great and the yard can look perfect and, and yet inside the house, the home is just chaos. It, it, it could look like you could be wearing nice clothes and, and be driving a nice car and it, it may look like everything's okay, but really finances are a mess. You, you could be working a job and getting promotions, it seems, and things like everything's smooth, but inside you feel completely out of control. Even on a Sunday morning. It's easy to be a Sunday morning Christian. Amen? It's easy to put on the right clothes and say the right things and, and, and sit in your normal seat and you know, do all the things that Christians do. But it's possible that that could be a mask and you could be masking a different reality in your life. And we all want things to be authentic and real. Amen? Last week, we began to touch on this, and, and we said to live authentic lives, we must be authentic. In other words, if we want to be real in our spiritual life, if we want to be real in, in, in the way our relationships, if we want to be real in our life, it doesn't, it, it's helpful to surround yourself with authentic people, but really, we are the beginning of authenticity. You can have authentic people all around you, and, and let, unless you are authentic, you'll still not live the authentic life you desire. And, and we begin to explore this ideal. God's desire for us is that we be authentic. Not, not, not perfect, but authentic. Real people, a real spiritual walk. Now, and, and we use the phrase spiritual authenticity, I, I think it can become a little bit confused because we're not disembodied spirits. We're not floating around here just as spirits, but we're spirits that are embodied in a physical body. And, and so I believe spiritual authenticity creates a physical authenticity. I think that's Wesleyanism. That, that somehow when the Holy Spirit invades our life, it invades every. He invades every aspect of our life, our home life, our work life, our finances, our relationship with our neighbors. Do you believe that this morning? The Holy Spirit wants to be active in your relationship with that neighbor that drives you crazy, all right? Even that neighbor. 
This morning we read John 16, 7 through 17, but, but really all of John 14 through 17, I believe, is important as we begin to try to understand the work of the Spirit. This is Jesus last night with the disciples, and, and, and I would encourage you to take some time this week and read chapters 14 through 17. And, you know, we have time to, to, to go through them verse by verse, but take some time and, and read 14 through 17 and, and, and hear what Jesus is trying to say to the disciples this, this last time that he's meeting with them before the crucifixion. Last week, uh, we, we, we focused on uh, John 14, 6, that says, I am the way, this, these are the words of Jesus, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. We believe that, right? And, 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 and there's a whole other message in here that, that Jesus is the only way. If you want to find salvation, there's only one other name. There's only one name by which you can be saved, and it's through the name of Jesus Christ. And, and we believe that. Because Jesus said that. You know, this isn't just something that we've taken the scripture and said, hey, you know, by our interpretation of the scripture, Jesus is the only way. Jesus says, I'm the only way. Aren't you glad that he comes in a way that that shows grace and love and mercy and forgiveness? It's a whole other message. But the the focus last week was this ideal of Jesus is the truth. And and truth is what is true. It's a, a genuine reality. It's authentic so we use this line, Jesus is the very essence of what is real and authentic. When you think of what it means to be authentically human, what we were created to be, Jesus is the image. Jesus is the example. Jesus is the template of what it means to be a real, authentic, genuine human being. He shows us what it means to be truly human as God created us to be human. And it's in relationship with Jesus Christ that we experience what is authentic. I loved, I think it was the last song that we sang today, Chris and Amy. It said something about what this world has to offer is is poor and pale and I can't remember the, 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 the next word. What was the next word? you remember? Empty. Poor, pale, and empty. I, I want you to know this morning, if, if your life is centered around what is on this earth and what this earth has to offer, it's poor, pale, and empty. And, and it's in relationship with Jesus Christ that we find what it means to really live, what matters. Not just, it's not about just heaven and hell, folks. It's about really living in this life. Now, I'm happy for heaven and hell, aren't you? <laughs> At least heaven. I'm, I'm happy for eternity. But I'm thankful that God can give value to this life as well. And it's just not like waiting for, for Christmas Day to open a gift. But the gift can be opened even now. Verses, chapters 14 through 17, Jesus describes this authentic life. And in verse 7 of chapter 14, this authentic life includes this real connection with Father God and and the Son, Jesus. In verse 14, this authentic life includes a vibrant prayer life. 
God wants to hear from you, and he wants you to hear from him. He wants there to be a true connection in prayer. Uh, 15 through 11, or, or verse 21, this authentic life includes a life of obedience to the Father, not because we're afraid of the Father, but because we love the Father. It's through love that obedience and obeying the commands of Jesus almost becomes natural. Uh, 15, 1 through 11, this authentic life is a life of fruitfulness. In other words, we, we have this production in our life because of this relationship we have through the Father, through, through the Son, and through the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, in verses 12 through 17, the, the authentic life is a life where we can really love other people. Not, not just this emotional love, but this deep love that God models, this agape love, this love that meets the needs of other folks. Uh, 1723, this authentic life is a life of unity. And all these things are, are peppered through, through Jesus' comments on this last night. That he's talking about this way of living that is better than what the world has to offer. We saw last week that authenticity does not necessarily come through simple religious activity. That the most religious people who ever lived were probably the Pharisees. And yet Jesus calls them what? Hypocrites. You're playing a game. You're just acting. See, you, you can be very religious and yet not be authentic in your spiritual life and your connection with your heavenly Father. And, 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 and it's not found through, through just religious activity, but authenticity, authenticity is the work of a love relationship with God. That's where authentic living begins, this relationship, this love relationship with God. And, and then in chapters 14 through 17, Jesus begins to emphasize that, that although he is physically leaving this world, this relationship that he's been talking about and, and, and emphasizing and focusing on is possible through the personality, the person of the Holy Spirit. In fact, in 1613, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Truth. He uses the same language that he uses with himself, this word truth. And he will guide us into all the truth. In other words, Jesus is saying that this is the spirit of what is real and authentic and genuine and true. And he will lead you into a life that is real and genuine and authentic. The spirit leads us there. The authenticity is found through this relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so last week we talked about the importance of, of the Holy Spirit. And it, it's really, I, I was talking to Dr. Perdue just a little bit before the service. And I think the quote you used from A.W. Tozier was something like this, that we are as guilty as ignoring the Holy Spirit in this age as earlier ages were guilty of ignoring the work of Jesus Christ. Uh, that in the church today, there is an absence, oftentimes, of an understanding, an acceptance, a focus on the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and you can sit in scholarly works. That, you know, tr try to find. Go, go to your bookstores and try to find a book 
dedicated exclusively to the work of the Holy Spirit, it will be very difficult to find one. I, as a matter of fact, the, the, only, the only popular one that I, I've seen in the last 30 years is probably the work of Francis Chan, Forgotten God. And other, otherwise, there's not a lot of books on the Holy Spirit. Uh, go, go to our library. We have a, a section dedicated to God, Jesus Christ, but I don't believe there's a category, Holy Spirit. And so there's not a depth of scholarly work. As, as a matter of fact, you, you, you take, and Mike, you, you've seen this in, in your training as well, in your theological training, most of the time the focus is Jesus Christ and the work of Jesus Christ. But the work of the Holy Spirit is ignored. And, and, and I would say this, for our church to be the church we want to be, it will be dependent on our reliance and the work of the Holy Spirit in our church. Now, now, just because we don't write books on him and just because we, we don't talk about him as often as we sh- should doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's not at work. Amen, right? If you are saved this morning, the Holy Spirit is at work. If you are sanctified this morning, the Holy Spirit is at work. But, but I do believe this failure to talk and, and focus and rely and, and believe and have faith in the work of the Holy Spirit is detrimental to the life of the church. And if we want to be that church that we sang about, that, that there is a revived and alive and, and set on fire by Christ, it will be by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is essential to an authentic Christian walk. If you want to be genuine, if you want to be real, if you want to be someone who is truly following Jesus, you cannot get there without the Holy Spirit. You you can study, you can read, you can be part of Sunday school classes, you can be in the church, but it is the work of the Holy Spirit that turns us into authentic followers of Jesus Christ. Just a little bit, you know, I, I think when you start talking about the Holy Spirit, you do have to touch on the Trinity. <laughs> Kenneth Greider in a, a Wesleyan holiness theology writes this, the audacious Christian view of God is that he is three persons existing eternally in one nature or essence. He is three centers of self-consciousness existing in one underlying nature. The oneness is so real that it flows into three persons, interpenetrating them so that while they are distinct as persons, they are one in substance in the fundamental nature the three possess. Okay, we all understand now we go home, right? Everybody understand the Trinity and that. That's why sometimes... You know, we're Trinitarian, but, but we believe in one God. And, 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 and this is something that in a lot of ways is a faith belief as opposed to a mind belief. Because there's all sorts of um, different kind of examples I could give. But, but, but I believe at some point they all fell to explain and describe the work of the Trinitarian God. And some call it the mystery of the Trinity that, that we receive in faith. Several years ago, Wyatt was, my oldest was like four or five, and we were in the car, and I don't know why, but you know, it was one of those kid conversations. He said, Dad, Jesus and God are the same. And I said, yeah. <laughs> he said, and Jesus died on the cross, and God was in heaven. And I went, Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's confusing. (laughs) 
And I said, yes, sometimes it is. So, so it's something we receive in faith, even though we may not completely understand the concept and, and completely be able to explain it. Greider writes, it has been said that while we may be in danger of losing our souls by denying the doctrine of the Trinity, we are in da- equal danger of losing our wits if we try to understand it. <laughs> and I think there's some truth to that. But it's something that we accept in faith. The ideal of the Trinity. One God expressed in three persons. And one of the members of the Trinity is the Holy Spirit. So so what should we understand about the Holy Spirit? First, the Holy Spirit is not a power but a person. Can you say that with me? The Holy Spirit is not a power but a person. Why is that important? Because since the Holy Spirit is a person and not a power, it's not just about knowing about him and being able to use the Holy Spirit, but it is a relational issue. All the relationship issues that you have on this earth are applicable in your relationship with the Holy Spirit. I started thinking about relationship issues and and, and how they can apply in in this circumstance. And and the first relationship issues most people have trouble with is what? Communication? Are you communicating with the Spirit? Is the Spirit communicating with you? Are you listening? I mean, if if we were to talk or we were to look at last week, would you be able to point at spaces that you created in your life that the Holy Spirit could speak into? Are you allowing space for the Holy Spirit to speak? We live in a busy, busy age. And oftentimes, it's difficult to even have a conversation with our spouse or our kids. If you're so busy that you cannot stop and listen and speak to the Holy Spirit to pray, you're missing the most important part of a relationship? Are you sharing your thoughts and desires with the Spirit? And You know, I've always wondered, why does God want to know what, what I'm thinking and what I want? And I think this goes back to, to relationship 101 because I think communication is this ideal of giving and taking. Any good relationship has sharing and receiving, Right? And I believe that, that, that when we share how we're needing and wanting God to work, what our desires of our heart, we're, we're practicing what's important in any relationship, this give and take. Are you reading the word? You know, the primary avenue of hearing from the Holy Spirit is the word of God. Amen? You know, we believe that the word of God is God breathe. When we believe the Spirit takes the Word of God and He uses it and applies it to our heart, and, and, and I, I believe, <laughs> maybe I'm wrong here, you can, you can say I'm silly here, I believe it's impossible to have an intelligent relationship, an intelligent conversation with the Holy Spirit if you're not in God's Word. It won't happen. You, 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 I, 
I believe you can pray till you're blue in the face, but, but if you're not somehow connecting to God's word, you're going to have less of a relationship that God desires for you. Second word I wrote down was trust. Do you really trust the Spirit's guidance in your life? To, to have a relationship with someone, there's this trust that needs to be there. And, and has the Holy Spirit spoken, but you've not moved and you've not acted simply because you're not sure? Lack of trust is a relationship killer. How about appreciation? You know, think about your relationship with others. Isn't appreciation something that's important to have a vibrant relationship with, with, with your spouse? Don't, 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 you, don't you like to be appreciated? If you like to be appreciated, say praise the Lord. Yeah. The rest of you are lying. You know, appreciation is part of this. And, and I think oftentimes our relationship with the Holy Spirit is harmed because we do not give him praise and appreciate how he's moving in our lives. All we see is what we want and what we've not gotten, and yet the Holy Spirit has moved in so many dynamic ways in your life this week. And I believe if we could just begin to learn to appreciate and express thanks to the Spirit for his work in our life, it'll make our relationship much more dynamic in life. Not in your notes, I wrote this down, love. It's kind of a generic word, and maybe it's hard to encompass in just a few seconds in a sermon, but, but, but all of us, we, we should love everyone, amen? <laughs> but can we be honest that there's people in our life that there is a deeper appreciation for, a deeper love for? I mean, I, I, you, you've, got to, you've got to love me as your pastor, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> But your wife and your kids and your grandkids and your parents, you know, there's that deeper connection. You've know, you got to love your boss, but, you know, it's, it's those people that are your close friends that, that you, you love so deeply. The Holy Spirit wants to be closer than a brother, wants to be closer than your wife, wants to be closer than your kids. Not that you stop loving your kids. Jesus uses hyperbole and says, you know, it's like you're going to hate your family compared to your love for God. But I think Jesus is using exaggeration. I believe we're called to love our family, but we can only love our family like we're intended to love our family when we love God supremely, uniquely, personally, more than anything else. Then everything else is set in order and made right. The Holy Spirit wants to be the most significant love relationship in your life. Closer than anyone. Second thing I want us to see about the Holy Spirit is this. The Holy Spirit is God. Say that with me. The Holy Spirit is God. This is not lesser God. This is not something less than God the Father or God the Son. This is all God, worthy of all worship, worthy of all praise. The Holy Spirit is God. And he requires that we respond to him in the same way that we respond to Father God. If Jesus Christ walked into this room, we would bow down our knees and worship him, right? Right? If the Heavenly Father showed up and was sitting on this stage, we would bow down and worship him. The Holy Spirit 
is worthy of the same honor, the same glory, the same praise as the Father God, as the Son God. And I want you to know this morning that the word says where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be in their midst. And that means that the Holy Spirit is present in this place and worthy of our praise and worship. Before we sing a note on Sunday mornings, we should be in an attitude of worship because the Holy Spirit is present in this place among God's people and he is worthy of praise. But, you know, praise is is more than just singing songs and praise is about lordship. And so there's these lordship issues with the Holy Spirit. The first one's disobedience. Are you living in disobedience? Are you living in obedience to the Spirit's will? Now, this is where trust comes into it, but there's also just this matter of being disobedient, and the the Spirit's asked you to do something or has called you to do something, and you're just refusing. Maybe it's to forgive someone. Maybe it's to give something. Maybe it's to serve somewhere. Maybe it's to Maybe it's to to be a preacher or a missionary. I don't know. And the Holy Spirit's spoken into your life and you've just said no. Maybe it's a relationship that really needs to end because it's not leading you down the right path and, and, and you've just said no, I want to do my own thing. The Holy Spirit is Lord and he is worthy of our obedience. What about divided loyalties? You ever heard the phrase, if he's not Lord of everything, then he's not Lord at all? (laughs) Right? I I think that's simple, but I think it's true. You know, to be God, to be Lord, means that he is supreme, he is in charge, that we answer to him. And the Holy Spirit is Lord, and we are called to respond to him as Lord. Now, now a simple illustration that that I always heard was, uh, imagine that, that your life is a house. And I heard this as a teen, and Josh, you've probably used it with teens, and we've all heard this, you know, your, ho- your life is a house, and, and, and in this house there are many rooms. Is the Holy Spirit permitted to go to every room in your house? Or are there rooms, or are there doors that are locked? Okay, you can have my finances, but you can't have my Saturday mornings. Or you, you can have these relationships, but at work, see, since the Holy Spirit is God, that, that means we open our lives up to him, and there's nothing that we keep from him. Now, now I believe, and you know, I, I always, I'm always afraid to preach on entire sanctification because Nelson Perdue is like the, the greatest entire sanctification preacher in the world. But I'm kind of simple in my theology with entire sanctification. I, I think entire sanctification is just this point where I just say, it's not about me, but it's all yours, God. And see, I believe believers can go through their life and they, can, they get this point where they're saved and, and yet they just kind of hold things back from God. And, and God's desire is not that we hold things back from him, but we just give everything over to him and find this authenticity, this genuineness in our spiritual life that we long for, that we that we lack. 
One way I've always heard is this. When you're saved, you have all the Holy Spirit. And this, you know, probably somebody that wrote a big, thick theology book wouldn't write it like this, but I've heard country guys say it like this, and I like it. When, when you're saved, you have all the Holy Spirit. When you're sanctified, the Holy Spirit has all of you. Does the Holy Spirit have all of you? I mean, I mean are there rooms, are there places that you're just holding on to? Can I tell you that authenticity, that genuine spiritual walk that you long for, that authenticity in relationships that you long for, it will not happen unless you just yield everything to him. Here's the good news, though. If you do, somebody say amen, if that's true. When you yield everything to God, he just makes everything right. Finally, fear. Sometimes it's just plain fear, and it's because of fear in our life and trust questions and love questions, and you trust the Father's love to allow the Spirit to guide. All these things are crucial because authenticity, genuine life, real life is found through relationship with the Holy Spirit. And when we resolve these relationship issues and we resolve these lordship issues, we can really experience life like God wants us to experience life. Not that everything will be perfect. Not that you'll never have troubles, but somehow even in the midst of troubles, we can have a fullness and abundance of life because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Now we're going to close with communion today, and I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to give you just a a couple minutes. Judy's going to kill me because I preached too long, and uh, Sandy, tell her, give her my apologies, okay? And we'll, we'll be done here as soon as we can. I'm going to ask Amy to come and pray. Did I say pray or play? <laughs> Whichever you want to do. Let me ask you this. How is your relationship with the Spirit? You know, I, I don't want a history lesson. <laughs> I don't want to know when you were saved and sanctified. I don't know how long you've been part of this church. But today, right now, How is your relationship with the Spirit? Amy's going to play, and I'm just going to give you a few moments just in your pews, just to kind of pray, and then we're going to close with communion. And um, let me pray with you, then I want you to bow your heads and just talk to God. Lord, help us to be real with you. This is important, this matters. Help us now, Lord, in these moments just to um, truly assess ourselves and allow your spirit to speak. We're going to wait just a few minutes and we'll close with communion. No one experiences any kind of false guilt by anything I say. You know, I, I know life can get messy at times. And, and sometimes it's, it, it's not that we're spiritually out of whack or spiritually out of balance. It's just life can be difficult and uh, chaotic. I want you to know that your heavenly father loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to die on a cross so that you can live. And Jesus didn't stay on a cross, but he rose from the dead, and and Jesus is physically alive today, and, and, and we can have life. The Father loves you so much that he didn't leave you orphans, but he sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is present to you today. And you can have real relationship 
with your heavenly Father through the work of Jesus Christ and the personality of the Holy Spirit. Stand with me, if you will. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to receive communion by intention. And Dan, if you can dismiss from the back. Uh, when I say we receive it by intention, that means you dip it and you eat it. And uh, I'm going to pray over us now. Let me read scripture first. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord, help us this morning as we receive these elements to be reminded that that Jesus came and he physically died and he is physically resurrected from the grave. That that Jesus ascended into heaven and, and Lord, when he ascended into heaven, you sent the Holy Spirit so that we might have relationship with you. And, And Lord, as we partake of these elements, may we be reminded of the physical aspect of this story. That God sent his son to redeem lost humanity. And not just to give us a place in heaven, but to give us real life now. Help us to live in that reality. Help us to, to live in relationship with your Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, to allow your Holy Spirit to be Lord of our life. And Lord, in all these things, we give you thanks because you alone are good. I love you, Lord, and I thank you for this time. Here's the powerful reality. This Holy Spirit that we talked about that's present in this place indwells you. That's his desire. So that when you go out those doors, church doesn't end, church begins. You truly become the power of Christ. You become the church You become missional. You become incarnational that God is at work within you. It's powerful. It's life transforming. God's not just interested in what happened here today, this morning, but he's interested in what happens Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And he wants to transform that part of your life so that this part is just a celebration of what God has done the rest of the week. Lord, may we be aware of your presence, not just in church time, but all the time. Give us a fresh awareness of your Holy Spirit and his work in our life. As we go from this place, Lord, may we realize that church isn't ending, it's just beginning. That that we're entering a mission filled, filled with your Spirit, Equipped to do good works. Equipped to do the work of Christ in our community. And Lord, may we do it in your name and through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless.